You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I want to go back to October 26th of 2021 when I had an opportunity to talk to Tom Brady, and I asked him about retiring and family. And I mentioned when I left ESPN, I left, and I think I was 50 at the time, but part of that was I had four kids who were 9 through 15, and my wife said, they're going to all be out of the house by the time you're done with this next ESPN contract that I turned down a five-year contract. And I brought that up to Brady, and he had this to say. It's a, you know, it's a very difficult issue to reconcile without just saying, hey, it's time to retire. Um, and I think there's, you know, we're coming to the end here too. So I don't want to miss any of the kids' stuff. And I think at the same time, there's a lot of parents who get two or three weeks off a year that, you know, they work real jobs and real lives. And, and, you know, I get a lot of time off actually. And I, there's a big part of my life. You guys probably, when you're running your shows, you don't get a lot of time off football players. We get a good healthy off season. And I try to do my best with the kids, although I wish I was there more, but I think if I was there too much, you know, they might be sick and tired of me screwing up everything that's been going on in the house for a long time too. So I've heard that argument on the other side as well. (laughs) So I think it's a little teeter totter from time to time. And I'm trying like all of us to do the best we could do, you know, based on, you know, the circumstances. That's the uh, let's go podcast with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald. Let's bring in Howie Long, the hall of famer. I think you retired at 33, Howie. Does that sound right? 34. Uh, I played in the Pro Bowl at 34. So, yeah, the season was 33. Yeah. But, but, you know, do you, do you have a day where you go, hey, this is, this is the day I make my decision? Like, did, did you have a moment of clarity where you go, okay, that's it. I'm going to retire. <clears throat> well, my problem was, in terms of family, I had three sons. Chris was eight at the time. Uh, and... With football, you you just, it, particularly at that point where I played 13 years and not a dollar of my money was guaranteed. Uh, when you start getting up towards double digits in surgeries, you know, that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is Chris is eight years old and I'm not there for burger day. I'm not there for, you know, dad day. Uh, <clears throat> and I seriously wanted to change that given my background. I wanted my... Uh, my father-son relationship with my three boys to be to be different and you know i never regret it i had the opportunity to coach little league baseball for eight years high school football for eight years uh watch them all kind of go on their way to college and like you said you know your situation was kind of similar where you know wait a second what are we doing here this is going to be over you know before you know it and i'm glad i did i really am and you know, I, I don't want anybody to retire. If you want to play, continue yeah. to play, you know, unless you uh, your body says you can't play any longer. But what do you think is at the core of this with Brady? He wants to win championships. It's all about championships. I don't know if you do inventory with the Buccaneers and say, I don't know who's coming back. Can we still win another championship? Then you start to factor in with family. I think Giselle has been campaigning behind the scenes for a while to have Tom retire here. So how do you think this plays out? Well, I, I think there are, there are players who, who are consumed and then there's Tom. Uh, Tom's at another level. And, and that's not just, you know, August through January. That's the offseason. And the kind of trick to it is, and, you know, you have to pay the piper because – 
the older you get, the more you have to do in the offseason. And I think, you know, Tom made a good point that, yeah, you do have time off in the offseason as a football player, but for that six months, seven months, you're, you're checked out uh, whether you've been in or not because, you know, it's, it's next week. It's on to the next week. You know, forget about last week and it's on to the next day. And, you know, in those days, Wednesday, Thursday practices were, you know, full go, live goal line, live inside run live pass rush, live team period. Now they're in hats and, you know, physically I think players are, are capable of playing longer because they're being taken care of more. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks away, but I think that could be in part to maybe Tampa is not going to be one of the elite teams next year, given they got to re-sign some people, salary cap issues, all of those things. Um, I'm wondering if the NFL addresses overtime in the offseason, usually takes – you know, a moment where we go, I'm upset with overtime. And then we calm yeah, down. Hey. But would you would you want the NFL to reconsider what overtime is? Maybe in the playoffs, not necessarily regular season. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I certainly, you know, being at the game, you know, I, with, with a son on Kansas City, I, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, uh, Kansas City gets the ball, drives down the field, scores a touchdown. That's that's great. But the opposite happened to them a few years ago versus New England. And Andy Reid brought it up. And uh, it, it was not – it didn't draw much of any support. Um, <clears throat> I think this one, because of this kind of game where, you know, it's, it's not the Patriots and Atlanta where the Patriots are down 28-3. to This was Ali Frazier, 15 rounds, these two guys – you know, just when you think, wow, he can't respond to that, you know, Mahomes does or, or, or Allen does the next series. And it, it was a showcase of what I think is, uh, you know, we always wonder where the, when's the next generation of quarterbacks coming? And, you know, with us, it was Marino and Elway and Jim Kelly and Warren Moon and, you know, uh, Steve Young and all that. And, we just, I think we're throwing the ball more now than ever. Uh, and I think the interesting thing about both guys came from not big programs. Josh Allen was a guy who, you know, struggled to get scholarship offers, ends up going to Wyoming. The knock on him was he, he was inaccurate. Um, and it's an interesting kind of exercise is how many teams would trade for Patrick Mahomes? I, I don't think Buffalo's on that list. How many teams would trade for Josh Allen? I don't think Kansas City's on that list. I think they're both happy with their quarterback. It's just, it's nuance and it's, you know, play here, a play there in a game like that. Zero turnovers, four penalties. It was just a great, great game. And, and it was emotionally exhausting just sitting in the stands. So how do you change overtime? Well, I think you have. I, I think you have to say both teams have an opportunity to possess the ball. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there are those who say, "Well, wait a second. Okay, you you can't sit against the ball if if you don't want the game to end. Then you know, force them to kick a field goal, and Josh Allen have an opportunity to drive down the field, score a touchdown. I, I I certainly see where, and it's certainly something that's been brought up you know, by a number of people just in passing, whether it's at a hotel or, you know, in traveling. Uh, I think people want 
to see both teams get the ball. And I think it's something Andy brought up, and Andy was happy that uh, it got poo-pooed, you know, a few years ago. Talking to Howie Long, the Hall of Famer, and Fox will have San Francisco against the Rams. You know, people try to say all the right things about Jimmy Garoppolo, Howie. You know, that, that he, he all he does is win. I Really, it's about he doesn't, he doesn't lose. I don't think he wins. It's just... He he doesn't lose. You're asking him not to lose. It feels like I I, I, th- I, I think Terry had one of those Yogi Berra <laughs> you know, years ago, and I and I he and I talked about it last week. You can lose with me, but you can't win without me. <laughs> and you know Jimmy is he's under so much fire all the time. He's got the thumb. He's got the shoulder. He's beat up. Um, you just take the Green Bay for example. You know. It, they were under a lot of pressure. Uh, things weren't working out. It looks like any throw outside the numbers is is a Herculean task for him. Uh, but at the end of the game, when it counted, and it, it was the same thing with the Ram game, uh, he just comes through. And you know, is is he the guy that? Is he the guy that you signed to a you know hundred and thirty million dollar deal? I'm I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think there'll be a market for Jimmy, and I think they have an interesting decision to make whether their young quarterback is ready. And and uh, Jimmy certainly is well liked by the team, and and you know as, as evidenced by the Kittle comments and uh, comments from a number of teammates. They believe in him. They think they can win with him. That's all that's important. And and Dan, it really doesn't matter what you think or I think yeah. or anyone outside the building thinks. They like Jimmy Garoppolo. The team does. You all in on the Rams? You know, I, I give this San Francisco team is tough. Uh, they really, really are. They're beat up. I mean, it seemed like every other play, somebody was hobbling off the field, whether it was Debo Samuel or it was Williams. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a number of guys that are banged up and, you're going to remember all the teams that are left have played the full slate of games because the two number one seeds are, are now down. So we're on, in, on, in uncharted territory coming up here real soon. Um, if they can run the ball effectively, which, you know, listen, three of the four coaches that were left in the final four, uh, you look at LaFleur, you look at Shanahan, you look at McVay. They all coached in Washington. They all ran the same system or variations of it. And I think these two are contrasting styles and what they want to do. Uh, I think the last time the Rams had a first round pick, it was, you know, Barack Obama was in office. I mean, they just do it differently. They do it more like the Yankees or the Lakers. Um, Now they have to kind of follow through on it. It's a new state, $5 billion stadium. I, I, I think ownership made it very clear that they wanted to play in this game. So there's a lot riding on this game for the Rams. Think your Raiders go Jim Harbaugh, Josh McDaniels, other? I have no idea. I, I really don't. Um, Are you involved I, at all? I thought I thought, I thought Rich Passaccia did a great job. Yeah, I, I really did. I thought he did himself a, a real solid uh, with the way he performed. You think about the chaotic situation there with you know, the Gruden departure, uh, the Ruggs, you know, tragedy. Uh, those are things that really, really 
you know, can rock a football team. And they had a bit of a, a dip there for three, four games. And, you know, he kind of brought them out of it. And, you know, I, I think the comparison would be um, John Harbaugh coming from Philadelphia as a special teams coach to, to the Ravens. And, you know, that special teams coach, like the strength coach, he interfaces with every single guy on the team. And, True. Uh, I think they liked him. They feared him sufficiently. Uh, but, you know, Mark's got to make that decision. He's interviewing a lot of people. I think they're being very thorough. Are you in a wine cellar? Like, what's what's the rock? What's the rock? Is, uh, uh, I'm in Arizona. I'm, this is our dining room. Uh, it's yeah. the only quiet spot I could find where the dog wouldn't bark or, you know. That's your dining bark. room that you've got. It looks like a castle wall behind you. It looks well, like Game of Thrones. Right, right. No, it, it, it does. I, I imagine it does, but it's really the quietest spot in the house. Is there, you know, I got Seton driving through uh, cross country. Uh, I heard about that. Yeah, I mean. You uh, guys can do motivational tours with all that, you know, the steroid talk. and. Uh, <laughs> the, but, you the know. Juice, what was it, the juice bar? And yeah. yeah. Now he's getting in a van and going across the country. Do you realize what's out there right now? It's it's not safe. Truck stops are not safe anymore. Can he stay at your house? Which one? <laughs> the one you're in now. Uh, what time is he, what time is he traveling? Uh, see, what time would you be passing through, uh, Scottsdale? Probably, uh, like Thursday, Friday-ish. This Thursday, Friday? Yeah. Next week. Next, next, next Thursday, Friday. It, oh, next Thursday, Friday. Well, you know, if, if we, if we decide to head home, I mean, he certainly could have the keys to the house. Uh, we'd have to, we'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to do a, a vetting Check on him. I, I'm oh, not sure. Then that's not good. That's not going to happen. Not yeah, that's not going to. That's not going to. Maybe he just goes to the Montana house. He could go there. It's cold. Yeah. Uh, but it's God. It's beautiful. And and I have some friends up there that just started jumping in the lake. And you know. Oh my God! What? They're crazy. It's kind of a challenge thing. I have no idea. I, I, I've, I've been challenged. I don't want to be challenged. <laughs> Does anybody ever want to like block you or hit you? Like it? I'll tell you one time we were up there in Montana and this wasn't too long ago, three, four years ago. And uh, Kyle was, Kyle was up there working out and he needed to work on Kyle's three thirty, you know, six, seven and heavy handed, really heavy handed. And people who know heavy handed understand what I'm saying. I, I was, you know, doing some simulated moves on him, you know, jab in, come out, you know, he stuck me in the chest and I'm telling you, I bitched up. <laughs> I, I said, ah, God, it's, I, I can't play with you anymore. You're, I'm old. You're not, you're, I'm, my ribs were locked up for maybe two weeks. <laughs> Imagine I, your, kid, your kids are beating you up in your own driveway. Anthony Munoz did that to me one time at ESPN. He came in, and I would always do like a swim move. Like I would, yeah. I walk up to him and I go, "Hey, Anthony," and I do a swim move. And he saw it. And he laughed the first couple of times, and, <laughs> then, and then I did it one other time to him. A couple of weeks later, he grabbed me with both hands in the ribs and just held me there. You know what I you know what I think is, is is really interesting. I think 
people think, you know, well, I go to the gym, I'm, I'm in good shape. I, you know, I, I, I lift a lot of weights, you know, <laughs> football, the NFL is like NASCAR. I didn't get NASCAR. You, you, you don't get NASCAR watching TV. It's just around and around and around. Okay, enough already. Round and round and round. You go down turn three on the rail and a car goes by at 200 miles an hour. That's the NFL. And when you see something 6 4, 260 runs of 4 4, it's a car going by. And, and that's the other thing. People always say, well, I run a 4 7 or I run a 4 6 or I run a 4 5. Baloney, you do. Uh, it's a big league. It's, and I say, we need restrictor plates on our league. It's so big. It's so fast. Uh, these defensive linemen, the offensive linemen. Hey, look, Terry Bradshaw's offensive line averaged 255. Yeah. The biggest line in football averages 325 right now. The guy that plays Joe Green's position, and Joe was 275, 280, I think. That guy's 330. I told people you would never let your kids play football if you watched a game from the sidelines, an NFL game from the sidelines, and listened to the collisions. Yes. You would, you would say, oh, I hope they could play Pop Warner, but that's about it. Because it is. You no, know, and, and that's, that's a, a great point. Until you're down there on the field and you see the speed and the impact, you know, you just don't get it. <laughs> um, I certainly didn't say, Diane and I didn't certainly say, wow, we want our kids to play football. We say that opposite. Uh, I don't think any of our boys played as young kids. Uh, Chris came to me to say he wanted to play, and Kyle played baseball and uh, tried to push him towards baseball a little bit, I think. But, you know, at the end of the day, genetics are genetics, and you are who you are. Hey, it's great to catch up with you. Hope you you look great. And, uh, you know, Seton is going to just keep driving by the house. He's, <laughs> he's not going to stop. All right. Next Thursday, he will not. Head on a swivel, Seaton. Head on a swivel. <laughs> Thank you, Howie. All right, partner. That's uh, Howie Long, Hall of Famer. Always love having him on. Fox has uh, the Niners and the Rams. That'll be Sunday at 630 Eastern. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Uh, let's bring in Jim Nance, the Hall of Famer. He was on the call with uh, the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. How exhausted are you after a, normally after a game, and how did you feel after that game? I'm still tired. Yeah. I'm mentally still inside of Arrowhead. I heard your poll question. There's nothing like a game that's just pulsating standing throughout, building, shaking like Arrowhead. SoFi is the coolest stadium, but Arrowhead, when it's a night like that, pretty hard to beat. But I am still um, having a hard time letting go of that incredible feeling and a, a loop in my mind just kind of replaying the game over and over again. So, yeah, I'm still tired. You can hear it. I had to, I had an obligation yesterday in New York, which um, – it was an all-day shoot, so I still didn't quite have my Monday recovery day, and today is just that. So here we are. Aside from – well, what play stands out the most? What moment stands out the most from the Bills and Chiefs that five years from now I'll bring up to you? I think the fourth and 13, which don't forget before the play, there was a fan who ran out of the field and kind of maybe 
I don't know, maybe changed a little karma in the building or whatever to digs decked them. And it was, it was one of the great tackles I've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> um, so I think the fourth and 13, then the 64 yard throw to Hill, but ultimately to me, the game came down to that kickoff with 13 seconds to go in regulation. That's the one that I think changed everything. And I got into a little back and forth with Tony. I posed the question, you put it on the ground here, just trying to reduce it to a one play scenario to get yourself into field goal range. If you're the chiefs and they decided to kick it to the back of the end zone, which gave them two steps. It was a great moment. Uh, you guys had a great moment at the end of the Cowboys game. I, I mean, that's, that's what you want in, in the moment. When you say to Tony, what would you do? We want to know what you would do. We, we don't want you hedging. And I, I, I just thought that it was, that was great TV. It was a great, great moment. We, you know, we walked out of the booth that night, and you always think you're better when the game is better. And that, again, is going to be viewed by some as the greatest game of all time. And it goes to that length in some of the feedback we've heard about the game. But we really felt after five years and 105 games, we walked out and said, that was our best broadcast we've ever had. And we were just so excited about it. And Tony in those moments and his enthusiasm and his ability to break down the strategy. I mean, I just love the guy and he's, he's just an awesome guy to share it with. Can you always hear him over the crowd? You ever had a problem trying to hear him? No, no, not at all. Because we have what you have on right now. We have the headsets on. So uh, it, 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 it pumps it pretty much right into your eardrum. Uh, and I have him, of course, souped up a little bit and, and can hear him very clearly. But, yeah, it, it is so loud in there, though. If I took the headset off yeah. and I tried to have a conversation with him, we couldn't hear one another. Where do you stand on overtime in the postseason? I think we're going to differ on this, but I think when you get to the postseason, it needs to be tweaked. And I know after the game, probably the Chiefs nation was upset with us for broaching the fact that the Bills, in my words, never had a chance, meaning they never had a chance to go and match it. To me, I think they finally got the regular season down correctly. And I advocated for a long time that they needed to get to something like that. But when you've gone through a whole season, you go back to July and you go back to camp and all the different plays and scenarios you, you go through to try to get to a Super Bowl, and it comes down to the team that's going to win the coin flips, going to have odds that are definitely better than the team that's going to kick the football. As Peter King said so well in his Football Morning in America, uh, Peter said, okay, fan base, if you really think that it just you're going to just throw out the old tire, go make a play on defense, then why don't you guys kick the football then? Why don't you guys go ahead and defer? Would you be happy with your coach if they deferred? So I want to say this, and I kind of – we were rushing to get off the air, but I, I think we got our point across. We were there for New England and Kansas City three years ago. And I, I at that time, advocated that it was wrong what happened to the Chiefs in that situation. And interestingly, we were all reminded yesterday that Kansas City, after that game, went to the March meetings yeah. and tried to change the rule. Yeah. And it did not have enough momentum to even go to a vote. So I just think with the whole season on the line, give each team. It's a small tweak, actually. Everybody's like, well, how are we going to do this? We don't like the college playoff or the college overtime. I think it's just every team's guaranteed a possession. One possession. So if that was this year, 
You kick the football to the Bills. They know what they have to do. They've got to go down the field and match it. By the way, if they want to go for two because they don't think their defense can hold up, then go for two and maybe win the game on a, what's like a college play, if you will, from the three. Or you lose the game from there. Or you kick it and say, maybe my defense gotten enough rest out because we took 15 plays to get down the field, and maybe they're not gassed and they can play. But I think you get to overtime postseason, one possession guaranteed each. Yeah, I'm fine with it. But, you know, we grew up, it was called sudden death overtime. It, it, it's like it used to be called instant replay. Now it's called replay. Now it's not sudden death overtime. Everybody gets a possession, whatever you do on that. And then after that, it's sudden death overtime. You okay with that? I am. You know, things have changed. There have been rule changes in the game. So the game that we grew up watching, uh, it's not the same. I mean, it's been, it's been tweaked again to try to make the game more exciting. Offense getting a little bit better of an edge and all this. These games are more high scoring than they were when we grew up as kids. So, yeah, I'm okay with it. Again, it comes down to a whole season. And I'm not taking anything away from Kansas City. Again, I pitched for them three years ago. It was awesome what they did. But I, I just, you think Josh Allen never really got a chance to go down the field and do the same thing? Because he probably would have taken them down the field and scored. I mean, it was, how about the last two minutes of regulation? 25 points, then another touchdown in the OT? I mean, it was, it's, I'm, I'm still, like I said, still playing it on a loop in my head. And I, you know, the NFL is in the entertainment business. And what would have been more entertaining than Josh Allen getting another opportunity? And, you know, you still have commercial inventory. I mean, come on. This is a business here that we're running. And I, I think you got to factor that in as well. That's why I'm like, you have this audience. Now, all of a sudden, we let Josh Allen come out and come back down and maybe more commercial breaks. Let's go get a couple more commercials in. Well, there. listen, no, the reality is you have a set number of commercials. You know this going in. And once you've gone through your commercials, it's not like your salespeople are out selling. <laughs> You're in the middle of the game. Oh, let me pick up the phone. Let me call XYZ. <laughs> see if you want to buy a spot in extended play. So, no, you get your inventory and it, it stays at that point. Thing. But you said the NFL was in the money-making business. I've got the last bastion of profit for them to me. It's not those commercials that you can't sell because you've already you've already maxed out your inventory. Somebody, I can't believe no one's come up with this before. Someone needs to sponsor the blue tent. It's unclaimed. It's unclaimed territory. I can't believe it's gone this long. You know, it's sitting there. How many times in a game do you see pull up the blue tent? There should be some sort of sponsored element across that. I got it. I got it, Jim. Yeah. Viagra. The oh blue boy. pill. The, the blue. I got it. I, I was thinking, I knew you were going blue. <laughs> I think it's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking anything about how it suddenly just expands. No, 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 no. Okay. No, I just want to make sure. Okay. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, Hello friends. friends. <laughs> Let's go down to the Viagra blue tent. Okay. No, the, the thing is, it's got to be, I think, in the healthcare industry. Yeah. I blue mean, cross, blue shield, blue cross. Blue Shield. And that's what it is. I mean, listen, they're a Detroit-based company. It'd be perfect for them. The Blue Cross Blue Shield Blue Tent. <laughs> okay, but it's just sitting there, unclaimed. I know. Come on, we need more money. Jim is calling the uh, – what do you have? You have uh, Tony uh, with the uh, 
Bengals and the Chiefs, right? Throughout three Eastern on yeah. CBS? Okay. Yeah, the old AFC championship game back at Arrowhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that – where's the Bills-Chiefs game rank, though, of all of the games, whether you watched or you called? I think because of the last two minutes. I'm, I'm going to keep it to this sport. I haven't seen a better game. I had that New England-Kansas City game I mentioned before on that short list. I had Indianapolis and New England in the 06 championship game when Peyton brought them back from 18 down and won 38-34. I would say those three games were the best NFL games I've ever seen. Here we are at the end of January. We're a couple months away from Augusta. And I know people have brought up Tiger, could he play at Augusta? And what people don't understand is how hilly Augusta is. Like, it's not a a flat – it's one of the hillier courses that you'll probably play on tour – I don't know if Tiger could be able to do four days of that, but do you have any indication if Tiger is going to be able to try to play at Augusta? The only thing I hear is from the people that are closest to him that have a voice in the game. A few folks that are on the desk, for example, at Golf Channel, and they all have completely killed the idea that he's going to be ready for Augusta. I mean, I would love to see it. It's gone. It's kind of been quiet here for a while since uh, – since the father son, which was an amazing thing to see, not just because we saw him swinging a golf club again, but because again, you saw his son hitting shots that were just remarkable with a way about him. That's just like his dad, his mannerisms. So uh, look, it's getting close. Um, you're right though. I want to uh, emphasize your point to think that he could walk that four straight days, mm. you know, it, 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 he might be able to play it, but what's he going to feel like on Friday? And if he makes the cut, you know, now you got two more days on Sunday. Can, can he really? Yeah, the elevation there is, is something, if you haven't been there, you, you almost can't emphasize enough. Everybody that sees it the first time says, man, I had no idea. Like walking up 18 is a, it's a great climb. I don't want to make it sound like these golfers aren't athletes, but when you're coming off of what he's coming off of, and the walk up and down and hit side hill shots and things like that, it's a lot to ask. How's your golf game, by the way? I, I, you know, I haven't played in a long time, but I'm getting ready to talk about it. I'm getting ready, not my game, I'm ready to talk about golf. This weekend, I'm going to have the unique double dip, maybe triple dip. Because of the elongated season of the NFL going 18 weeks, the NFL now stepped right into the weekend that used to belong exclusively with no football coverage to the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines in beautiful San Diego. It happens to mark our season premiere of golf is this weekend. So the tour, Jay Monahan, along with Sean McManus, came up with a great plan. It's going to be a Saturday night finish back east in prime time. And CBS, instead of being a Saturday, Sunday daytime, will be Friday and Saturday early evening slash prime time hmm. on the network. So I'm going to call the golf from Arrowhead Stadium on Friday night and Saturday night. And then the championship game on Sunday. A tradition, a new tradition, <laughs> unlike any other. <laughs> you got young kids. Brady's going through this now. His kids are a little bit older. How, you know, how long do you continue? Like, what, what would be, what kind of pulls you home? You know, I love every minute of it. And I just came to an agreement a little, well, not quite a year ago to keep doing this for a long, long time. I love it. And you're right. It's it's hard walking out the door and 
you know, missing kids games and things like that. We made a little tweak. You know how much I love my home in Pebble Beach, which I'm never selling. And you've been a guest at my home on several occasions. But we bought we bought another home to be more centrally located and get me a little bit back to my southern roots. I'm from Charlotte originally. So we moved to Nashville for the majority of the year, starting in August with the great bulk of my obligations in the Eastern time zone. This is the perfectly centrally located place that I could find. I'm an hour and 10 minute flight to Kansas city. Awesome. You know, and I think 25 of the NFL teams are a two hour flight or less. When you're flying out of Monterey every week, it's grueling. It, it was, you know, somebody did a little study on my, my schedule last year. And I think I'm going to be close to 300 fewer air miles a year. And I did it because it's time. You're the greatest currency of all is time. And that time, what you want is it with your family. So I'm leaving later. I'm getting home earlier. And it's um, it's definitely been great to help extend the career. So 300,000 miles? No, no, I'm not talking miles and free tickets. I'm talking hours. Oh, oh, 300. Hours. Oh. 300 fewer hours oh. in the air. Ouch. And on top of it, when I would fly most of the time out of SFO, San Francisco. It's 110 miles from my house out in California. So now I'm not even factoring in the four hours a week that I had drive time just to, to get to the airport and back. Uh, so it, it was tough. Uh, you know, like we, we had Tampa three times at home this year. Getting to Tampa from Monterey was never easy. Yeah. From here, it's an hour flight, maybe an hour and five minute flight. It's easy. Yeah, and it's, it's been a great benefit for me and my family time. But again, I'm never, we're going to strategically slot Pebble in there when like the West Coast golf swing is coming up, I will base out of there. And in the summer in June and July, I'll be back at our home in California. Can you see Brady retiring right now? Yeah, it just seems like it's gained so much steam, doesn't yeah. it? Since about a week ago at this time, yeah. it just, uh, it was, it was something that really all season long, it was a little bit of behind the scenes undercurrent, but now it's just, um, I think by Sunday, it had so much talk. I'm not sure it's not Tom's fault, but I'm not sure it didn't create a little flat environment and attitude for the overall team of the Bucks. It was it was swirling in the wind so much. It became so much of the focus of the story. I'm not sure it contributed to them getting behind so big early. But uh, I would like to see. He says he's not going to do it, and it's not, not his style. He says, but. I would like to know when he's playing for the last time. Like, I'm not ready for a March 7th retirement announcement. Like, I, I want to look down on the field and, and watch, watch him play and, and know that this is the last season, potentially the last game. Uh, I'm hoping for one more. Tony! I've just been practicing. <laughs> Let's go, Jim. Here we go. <laughs> Tony! <laughs> How about my boy, Frank? I know Caliendo had to have been sitting oh. back and had enough of those scenarios. Uh, in fact, I know he posted some because Tracy showed it to me, but um, Tracy Wilson. But I, I love Frank Caliendo, and I've gotten to know him a little bit better uh, in this last year. I Tony! Go... <laughs> Does that sound about right? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not very good at that. Seton, Seton does Al Michaels. Have you heard his Al Michaels impersonation? Uh, it's been a while. But okay, yes. here you go. Let's, here, let's here, hear it again. Here you go. 
and there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That, that. And there he goes. Yeah. I like it. And, and yeah. uh, Seton does Tony, Tony Romo. Jim, there's only 10 men on the field, Jim. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Uh, hey, congrats on the move there. Hope the family's great. And uh, good to talk to you, buddy. Always good to talk to you, Hall of Famer. You're a great friend. Thanks, Thanks buddy. That's Jim Nance. CBS will have the Bengals and the Chiefs kick off at 3 Eastern on CBS on Sunday. Jim doing double duty with also the PGA Tour. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Clark will uh, be on site for ESPN Super Bowl coverage. We always uh, are smarter after we talk to Ryan. You can uh, see him on a lot of the Mothership shows, and uh, he also is the host of Face First Podcast, and Ryan joining us on the program. Ryan, good to have you back. Um, let's go back to the Bills and the Chiefs, and let's fix overtime yep. in the postseason. Or do we need to fix overtime in the postseason? <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, it's one of those things where obviously people are upset that a guy like Josh Allen, after playing one of the best games we've ever seen in the playoffs from a quarterback, doesn't get an opportunity to score, right? Or doesn't get an opportunity uh, to have his rebuttal, uh, per se, against what Patrick Mahomes did. And so I get that. Uh, for me, the hard thing is, is when you talk about player safety and some of these rules that we've set in place, we can't have – Alabama Auburn, you know, from from this from the 2021 season with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You can't have it go through the 25-yard line possessions and then to the two-point conversions and then say in the same breath that player safety is important. But I do think it's important that the best team wins. And you have 60 minutes to do that. And if you're the Buffalo Bills, you also had 13 seconds to do it. Right. You had an opportunity to keep them from getting in field goal range and allowing Harrison Bucker uh, to tie the game up. Um, and you're the number one defense in the world, uh, DP, and you can't and you can't stop them from scoring a touchdown in the first over, overtime drive. But um, I think we also know that if the Buffalo Bills get the ball first with the way they were playing, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have got an opportunity either. And so as the week has gone on, I've grown closer and closer to saying that maybe we should fix the overtime rules um, in, in, in the playoffs, but it has to be a smart way to do it. And I'm not necessarily sure I have that solution. See, I just think it's chiefs get a chance. Uh, mm-hmm. if, and if they score, then the bills know they're going to get a chance. And then if right. they score, then after that, it's sudden death overtime. Both, okay. both teams got their chance and, you know, whatever happens after that. And I know that we want to factor in, well, the Bills should have won this game. They should have squibbed mm-hmm. the kick. They, I mean, come on, 13 seconds and you're going to let Mahomes do that to you. But 
I think if you want to be fair, then that would probably be the fair and equitable way to do it. Then we would have gotten yeah. Josh Allen and his chance. And really, this is about the NFL being in the business of entertainment. What would have True. been more entertaining than Josh Allen now comes back out with the season on the line? This is the yeah. duel that you won. And I think that that's it would set up but DB, nicely. Here's a, the, the, the other part of it is the other part of it is too to, to, to see Patrick Mahomes complete the football to Travis Kelsey, take off the helmet, run down like that. That's exciting it as well. It's it exciting is. to know that from that position on the field that the Buffalo Bills don't come up with a stop then the, the, their season is over. And so I think that the, the, the excitement part doesn't, doesn't waver or doesn't wane with the way that everything's set up now. But I do believe that the fairness side of it is, is different, right? If we're going to just talk about, you know, fairness. And in the other sense of it, if the Kansas City Chiefs get the ball first and they score and then Josh Allen comes down and he scores – and then Kansas City gets it back because they got they won the toss and they score again, we're going to have the same conversation. Well, Josh Allen didn't get two chances and Patrick Mahomes got two <laughs> no, chances. No, 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 because then it would be on your defense. I would say, no, you had your chance, they had their chance, and, and right. that's it. I was also wondering, I think we had you on earlier in the season, we were talking about what defenses were doing to Kansas City. And, yes. you know, we were saying, all right, Patrick Mahomes now has to be a little bit more economical going down mm -hmm. the field. Doesn't seem like he's as economical as he was during the season when we weren't sure about that Chiefs offense or suddenly NFL well, defenses had a solution. I think he's I think he's more economical now, which has lended to some big plays with yards after the catch. This isn't the Patrick Mahomes that threw for 50 touchdowns and everything was about stretching the field vertically. Um you look to the Tyreek Hill play against two men when he beats Levi Wallace, that's an intermediate throw that the fastest man in football takes and makes it a 65-yard uh, touchdown. But that what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes is more patience. I've seen Patrick Mahomes make better decisions within the pocket and, without, and outside of the pocket. Um, this has been a strange evolution of Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He's always going to be extremely talented and extremely explosive, but I've seen him check the football down. I've seen him from the pocket understand Travis Kelsey is the first read. I have to hit him in the zone. We've also watched his mechanics get better as the season's gone along. I am as impressed with who he started as, what it was in the middle of the season, and who he is now as I've ever been impressed with any player's evolution in one year. And I think it, it really points to his greatness. And there um, was a points. moment, though, Ryan, where you you see Mahomes at the line of scrimmage changing the play for Kelsey, and he yells out to Kels. Do it. So you do it, Kels. Okay, if I'm on Buffalo. <laughs> Double him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm, I'm guessing – Travis Kelsey is the Kelsey he's talking about. And if right. you're a Buffalo, like how the hell does he catch a pass? I don't well, know. you know what? They, they turned it into playground football, though, DP. Like, so I always had a problem playing Madden, right? And here's why I couldn't play Madden. Madden, because it wasn't a real game, you know? If, if, if I'm doubling Heinz Ward and I'm playing my 10-year-old son at the time and he keeps throwing the ball to Heinz Ward and screaming at me, ah, hi, Dad, you can't stop Heinz. 
but I know I'm doubling, I'm pissed <laughs> off because I'm like, that's not real football. What Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes did was not real football. He said, Travis Kelsey says in the, the post-game presser, I told him I'm not going to run a play. I'm just going to run to where it's open. And Patrick Mahomes, to him, two of the greatest players in the world go, do it, Kels, do it. And <laughs> if you watch Patrick Mahomes, he pumps the ball twice because he don't know where the hell Travis <laughs> Kelsey's going. You know? I know. And they could uh, bleak the pass. I know. It's Who would you rather face, Mahomes or Josh Allen? Wow. That's like saying, what would you rather do, die burning or drowning? <laughs> um, ooh, can I go with neither? Uh, can I pick Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think uh, I'll pick Patrick Mahomes because I think he's the better player. Um, but what Josh Allen presents from a physical standpoint right now in the league is unmatched. It's if – it's if prime Cam Newton was a better passer yeah. and a more explosive passer. Yeah, that's 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 a great analogy. And I I don't like my quarterbacks running, but yeah. it feels like he has to run. And I and I thought yes. if they were going to win in the playoffs, he needed to have that element of danger there in the minds, and they were going to go for it on fourth downs. So mm -hmm. you just know we're it's full speed ahead. Like, we're not stopping. This is the only way we're mm -hmm. going to win is not kicking field goals. And I, I, I was really amazed that Josh Allen, and I was critical of him when he first came in. Uh, okay. I, I just didn't think that he, he, he knew the game. I, I thought he, mm -hmm. like, he panicked. And, I mean, he's matured so much that you go toe-to-toe, and I never thought that I'd be seeing Josh Allen go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Patrick Mahomes. You know, I, I said it in the offseason when I picked Buffalo, Kansas City in the AFC Championship that I felt like Josh Allen showed us throughout last year he could stand across from, from Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline and feel just as confident, confident in his abilities as Patrick Mahomes could. There were times this year I disagreed with that. And then about the second half of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game, he started to use his legs again and his athleticism and his physicality. And it's so crazy. Sometimes uh, a coach can look at his team and say, you know what, here is what we need to do. Josh Allen actually showed offensive coordinator Brian Dayball what to do because that team wasn't running the football yeah. before that. Yeah. And when Josh started to run it, now Singletary got involved and the quarterback runs got involved. If we go back to the, the ice bowl or the wind bowl, win bowl against the Patriots, Josh Allen should have run the ball four to five times in the red zone, and they win. They changed that after that game, and now you saw the team that we got to see this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. What's his reputation? <laughs> you know, um, I mean, his reputation for dating is that is definitely uh, something <laughs> that we uh, – <laughs> that we point to as we like more than his football play. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's reputation is one of he'll try to give a game away, right? We, you know, we talk about it all the time that, you know, the interception in the red zone, the interception against Dallas. We feel like there are games where Jimmy Garoppolo puts his team in danger of losing and on the other side of it wins all the time. He is the biggest oxymoron or the biggest, you know, ends of the spectrum as a quarterback that they have on any successful team. 
if you look at who the San Francisco 49ers are from a win-loss perspective with Jimmy Garoppolo and without, it's night and day. But do you believe and this, yet, though, that you – here's the saying. You can lose with me, but you can't win without me. Yeah. I've never heard that saying. I feel like that's some mythical thing you just made up. No, Terry, you're a superstar Terry, and a legend. <laughs> Terry Bradshaw <laughs> said this years ago, and it felt like it's applicable to Jimmy G that – you know, hey, I can mess up and we can lose, but you do need me, you know, yeah. for, for us to win. But I, I I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just feels everybody goes, Jimmy G, he just wins. And I go, Next. yeah, I think, no, I, I think that's for, for what they've been since he's been there. Now, if you get Aaron Rodgers, would I take Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Or Tom Brady? Yes. Or any of those great quarterbacks. But for who he's been as a San Francisco 49ers, that's the perfect, that 49er, that's the perfect, um, I would say analogy or the perfect saying for who Jimmy G is. Yeah. Uh, explain to me from a defensive backs perspective, Cooper cup, you know, and I can say this on your show. If Cooper cup were black, we'd all talk about him in a different way. Um, in the sense that a lot of times, we, we look at the color of a wide receiver and we want to compare them to people who they look like more so than people who they play like, right? Cooper Cup is going to, you know, Cooper Cup is not Julian Edelman. Cooper Cup is not Wes, Wes Walker, right? Cooper Cup is in the conversation with the Devontae Adams and with the DeAndre Hopkins of the world. Cooper Cup is a man that can play every single position. He's an excellent route runner, but if you listen to him talk about the game, right? and explain why he does certain things, why they run certain routes, he speaks about the game like a quarterback. And so I think, and so to me, Cooper Cup is is a Devontae Adams, uh, Justin Jefferson. He, he's in the, 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 the conversations with those type of guys for feel of the game, route running, and catching ability. I'll give you the comp I have for Cooper Cup. He doesn't play any longer. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay. And he works with Tom Brady occasionally. He works with Tom Brady occasionally? Larry Fitzgerald. Antonio Brown? Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> Antonio Brown. <laughs> occasionally. The occasionally. Occasionally. Okay. Though. All right. All right. I don't think Cooper Cup would ever be compared to uh, Antonio Brown. I, I see uh, Cooper Cup and Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I think I think I think the I think Larry was was bigger and honestly never as good of a route runner. Just to be to be truthful with you, I think Cooper Cup is uh is as as route running goes, I think he's one of the greatest that's ever lived. Really? This is I, I do. From you go back to the not not the catch on the big catch on Antoine Winfield, but the catch before where they're in two man on Murphy uh, on Murphy Bunting, right? He gets to the top of that route, and Murphy Bunting understands that he has to be inside. Cooper Cup, right at the top of his route, his route sticks him inside and makes him fall, right? That's some let's for a basketball comp. That's some Allen Iverson, Steph Curry, CP3 type movement, you know. And to me, like Larry never had that. Larry was was bigger, and Larry had great hands. Cooper creates so much separation with his route running, man, that I just think it's so underrated the the type of athlete and player that he is. 
It's always great to talk to you, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, have fun. All right, well, have a great day. All right, that's Ryan Clark. I told you, I always look forward to having him on. There's some always interesting things to say. Yeah, Paul? He, he's such a character. I mean, his analysis, man, cracks us all up on this side. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Cooper Cup, and he's right. You know, you don't look at him and go, you know, he belongs in with these other, uh, you know, wide receivers. You kind of put him in the corner, like, you know, put him in a, a you pigeonhole. But Cooper Cup, and I said this at the end of the year, you know, you talk about value to a team. I, I just don't know how you can say somebody other than a quarterback is more valuable to their team than, than what Cooper Cup was to the Rams. Now, you can make a case for Debo Samuel. Absolutely. Jonathan Taylor. Absolutely. I think we get caught up in the quarterbacking numbers. And that's why we, we slight these other players. You know, those quarterbacks get those numbers. They have to throw the ball to somebody. But uh, what Cooper Cup meant to the Rams this year, I think you can equate to the value that Aaron Rodgers had with the Packers or Tom Brady or Jonathan Taylor or Debo Samuel. Uh, and he doesn't ask for credit. People still focus on OBJ more than they do Cooper Cup because, you know, that you get clicks. You mention o- o- OBJ in a headline, you're going to get clicks. Cooper Cup, you're not. That's just the reality of the business that we're in. You know, there's a, there's a Marvin Harrison feel to Cooper Cup that he just doesn't say anything. You know, we've, I don't think we had him on, in, and, and we started talking about him at Eastern Washington in the postseason. And I thought, I even said to Paulie, because Paulie loves watching those, you know, Division One AA games, and he'll be like, hey, you got to see this guy at Eastern Illinois, you know, this Jimmy Garoppolo. And I watched, and he played great. And uh, Carson Wentz, of course, North Dakota State. And then Paulie goes, hey, got a guy for you, Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup. And I went, all right, Cooper Cup. And I tuned in, and he did a post pattern, scored a touchdown. I'll be, I'll be damned. You know, and then you go, well, it's small. You know, this is Division One AA, and you know, you're playing on a red field. And then nobody could guard him. Nobody could cover him. And I went, he's really good. I don't know if he can play in the NFL. And then turns in one of the greatest seasons of all time.